0: This morning. Uh, you'll probably resonate with it. The theme is, uh, is God good when, when life isn't? And we know that you've experienced the ups and downs of life. And uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we are doing a study called, uh, well, it's right there, you'll get through this. And the uh, theme is, hope and help in turbulent times. And the whole idea is that each and every one of us in life, we go through trials, we go through disappointments and discouragement, challenges of life. But we're, we are reminded in the study that God is with us every step of the way. And this morning, once again, what we're going to think about, talk a little bit about, is God good when life isn't. In other words, God is good when I'm healthy. God is good when, when uh, my finances are doing well. But, but when something goes wrong in life, do we begin to think, well, God, where are you in all of this? Have you abandoned me? Well, we're going to learn about this, that this morning. So let's turn in our Bibles. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 41 this morning. We're going to pick up the story once again of Joseph. Uh, we're going to take a look in our scriptures. Verse uh, 25 through verse 32. Uh, our reader, I didn't get who, who is our, okay. Brianna is reading, for, reading this for us in English, and Dorcas is going to read it for us in uh, French. And as they make their way to the pulpit, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God?
1: Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's going to do, what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny co- co- cows that came up later and seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance that he is about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterward there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. The famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make that happen.
2: Joseph dit à Pharaon, ce qui a songé, Pharaon est une seule chose. Dieu a fait connaître Pharaon ce qu'il avait fait. Les sept vaches belles sont cette année, et les sept épis bons sont cette année. C'est un seul songe. Les sept vaches décharnées et laides qui monta derrière les premières sont cette année, et les sept épis vides pris par le vent de rien seront cette année de famine. Ainsi comme je viens de le dire à Pharaon, Dieu fait connaître à Pharaon ce qu'il va faire. Voici, il y aura cette année de grande abondance dans tous les pays d'Égypte. Cette année, des famines viendront après elle. Et l'on oubliera toute cette abondance au pays d'Égypte et la famine consumera le pays. Cette famine qui suivra sera si forte qu'elle ne s'apercevra plus L'abondance dans le pays. Si Pharaon a vu le Songe, se répète une seconde fois, ce que la chose est, ce la chose est arrêtée de la part de Dieu, et que Dieu s'est atténué.
0: Oh Lord God, we praise you and thank you for the words that have been that have been read. We pray that those words will be planted in our hearts, fertile soil for what you want to do, God. That you would encourage us, that you would bless us, that you would build us up. But not only that, Lord, that you would cause us to be people, your people, in a very dark world that needs that same encouragement. So bless your words to our hearts, and we pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, you Maybe seated. Thank you, Bree. Thank you, Dorcas. Well, is God good when life isn't? There's a uh, Latin term that you might be familiar with, it's quid pro quo. Uh, what that means is... If I do something for you, my expectation is, you're going to do something for me. If I like you and I love you, then I expect that you'll like me and love me. When it comes to God, we say, Lord, I will obey you, I will worship you, I will follow you, I'll do what you ask of me, but at the same time, God, I expect that I'll always have a job, I expect that I'll never get sick, I expect that my children will prosper, and on and on and on. Now the problem is, we sign that contract, but doesn't necessarily mean that God has signed that contract. Because there are times in life when things are going well, and suddenly they're not going well. And what is it that we do? God, have you abandoned me? Where are you? Why are these things happening to me? There are many very devout, believing people that have devoted their lives to the Lord, only to, to maybe lose a loved one, a child or a spouse. And suddenly they've They've turned their back on God. They've walked away from their faith because their expectation is God, if I do these things for you, my expectation is you're going to take care of everything for me. Now, what we have to learn in life is wrestle in life. The question being, is God good when life isn't? Now, we've seen in Joseph's life that, in fact, life can take a very dark, and disappointing term. And that's exactly what's happened in Joseph where we are right now. He's been in prison and so forth. But there's something different about that young man. There's something different about him that would say, Is God good when life isn't? And somehow, way, we get the impression that he would say, Yes, God is good even when life isn't. So what is it about him? What's making him different? What is it about him that will help you and me? Well, if you've got your uh, outline out, it looks like this. There's, there's three words that I want you to write down this morning that'll help us catch up with Joseph, maybe, get a little deeper insight of what's going on through, through his mind, through his heart, that might help us in the times when we are disappointed, when we're discouraged, and sometimes when we're downright depressed about life. And the first word is this God is, you can guess it, good. Yeah, God's good all the time, all the time, God is good. That, in fact, is the very nature of God. John tells us in 1 John that, in fact, God is love. And what I'm fascinated about those three simple words is this. It doesn't say God is loving. You would expect it would say God is loving, but it doesn't say that. It says that God is love. He is love itself. He's Everything that we can imagine that's wonderful about love, well, that is God. And because of that, we receive the love that he's given to us, and he's given to us in Christ Jesus. Listen to what James says about God. You've got it on the screen there, but let me read it to you. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is good, God is love, and he does not change ever. That's his nature. That's his character. So when life goes south, God is still good. And God's still with us. Let me uh, catch up on the story a little bit that will uh, give us a little insight and, and why we can say this so confidently. Where we left off, if you remember last week, we left off that Joseph was being seduced, basically, by uh, Potiphar's wife. She grabs his cloak. He runs away. Well, what we didn't read in that passage was she took the cloak and went to Potiphar and said, he tried to do uh, awful things to me. And Pot- Potiphar's response was, throw him in prison. Now talk about, is God good when life isn't? He was a prime candidate to say, God, where are you? I've been sold into slavery, and now I'm being thrown into a prison. What more do I have to go through? Where are you in my life? But somehow, some way, that's not what happens in Joseph's life. In fact, he's given charge over some of the other prisoners. And what happens is this. God is permitting these difficult things to happen to Joseph. A little theology in all of this. We ask in our own minds, why do evil things happen to good people? Well, there are times when God in his sovereign grace and his glory allows or permits things to happen to his people. Let me give you a little proof from Mark chapter 5. You might be familiar with the story. It's the story of uh, the man that was possessed by demons, and, and he comes to Jesus, and Jesus comes to him, and Jesus casts out the demons. But here's what happens when the demons beg Jesus to be sent into some pigs. The demons did that. They begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And watch this. He gave them permission. Circle that word firmly, if you would, with a pencil. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake, and they were drowned. In uh, Romans chapter 9, Paul reminds the readers in Rome that God raised up Pharaoh, hardened his heart, but he did that for a reason. He permitted Pharaoh to be evil to his people so that through God's grace and power and love, he would demonstrate his grace and power and love to the nations around, that the nations around would recognize the, the glory of God in the Israelite people. So he allowed, he permitted evil to happen to his people. Now the problem is, it happens to us, and we don't. a lot of times we don't see the big picture. We can't think into God's mind, we can't hear directly from God. And so we, we believe, we feel like God has abandoned us, but there, there could be nothing further from the truth. That in fact, as life unfolds and we look back through life, we see that many times those are isolated events. And when we begin to see things in context, we can see that God's hand is there. So you know what it does? It, it, it challenges us. It challenges us that we have to make choices in life. Uh, Is God good when life isn't? When those times would feel that that life has gone south on us, that that life is painful and hurtful and, and we're discouraged and we're depressed and disappointed in life? We've got a choice to make. We stand at an intersection. Will we get bitter and angry towards our circumstances or will we trust God? Scripture says, trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all things. And the promise is this. He will make straight your paths. He's in all of this. He knows what's going on in your life. when, when, when is God good when life isn't? The answer is yes. God's good all the time. God is love. There's a, uh, a Christian counselor in Dallas, Texas by the name of Bob George, and he was telling a story of uh, a family, a couple, actually a couple of families in his church. They were on vacation together. And this was back in, I don't know, the 70s, early 80s. And uh, they were, they were going to be camping, and they went to a, uh, to, to a roadside stop. And uh, this fellow's little girl said, Daddy, may I go in the, in the camper with my friends? Can I can I ride in the camper with my friends? And he said, yeah, sure, that's okay. And uh, so she did, and they, can, they all continued on down the road. And sure enough, there was an accident, and uh, the heartbreaker was that this little girl was killed. It was, it was a terrible, terrible situation. Their hearts were broken. The parents' hearts were broken. And uh, after the funeral, the pastor went up to the dad and he said to check on him and, and see how he was going. And he, said, and he said, Bruce, how are you handling all this? How, how are you handling this terrible tragedy that's happened to your, to your little daughter? And he said, well, you know, here's how I think about it. I think that if God had come to me and he said to, to my wife and me, uh, Bruce, I've got a little girl that I want to bring into this world but she's only going to be in the world for for 6 years. And I need a family that'll love her and care for her and watch over her and and uh, cherish her. But once again, she's only going to be in this world for 6 years. Bruce, would you be would you be willing to do that? And I would have said to God, "Yes. Yes, I'll be more than happy to do that." You see, What he knew in his heart was, it was a terrible, terrible situation, but he also knew that God was good. He didn't understand it. He couldn't figure out why that would happen to his precious little girl, but he knew that God was good. You see, God is good when life isn't. But not only is God good when life isn't, the second thing that we need to uh, see as we study the story of Joseph, that God's work is good. Would you write that word down? God's work is good. Now, here's what I mean. When I say work, what I'm talking about is the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the, in the gospel of Matthew, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. God is about the mission work of the good news of the gospel of Christ going out into the hearts and lives of every person that will listen and and respond to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God loves this world. It's a broken world. He is sovereign over all of this world. And his work is going out. Listen to what, uh, listen to what a pagan king said about God, about God in Daniel chapter 6. Once again, this is not a man who believes. This is a man, in fact, that has been uh, rebellious against God. He says this, For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His d- dominion will never end. God is sovereign. He reigns over creation, and he is working in creation. And many times we don't understand and, and can comprehend what God is doing amongst his people, particularly when, we, when things are going well and so- suddenly they're not going well. Well, let me catch up with a story to, to, once again, to continue this story that's happening to Joseph. Now, Joseph is in prison. And once again, uh, he had the opportunity to be bitter and angry, but uh, uh, Pharaoh had, um, sorry, Potiphar had put him over the care of other prisoners. These two prisoners come to him, and the the first one says that I had a dream last night. It was a it was a very disturbing dream. And Joseph said, "Well, God can answer your dream." So what happened? So the man goes on to tell him that he sees this dream, and there's this uh, cluster of grapes, and the, these grapes get squeezed into a uh, into a, an urn and the urn gets handed to Pharaoh and so forth so Joseph said this is what's happening in your dream those three cl- clusters of grapes that means three and three days from now you're going to be restored to Pharaoh you were the cupbearer and he's going to restore you to being his his cupbearer uh, but when you go there now watch this Joseph said when you go to the Pharaoh please remember me so that he'll let me out of this place because it's unfair that I'm here now, the other guy that's in prison, he's, he's glad to hear that this other guy gets a favorable interpretation of his dream. So he says to Joseph, I had a dream and on my head was a basket and in the basket were pastries and birds came and ate the pastries and, and they were gone. And, and Joseph said, well, in, in three days, same thing with you, in three days, you're going to be raised up for Pharaoh, but you're going to be executed. Well, in three days, both of those came true. Both came true. And uh, the, the young man that uh, became the cupbearer once again to Pharaoh, the moment that he got in front of Pharaoh, he completely and thoroughly forgot about Joseph. Okay? Not only did he forget about Joseph, Joseph's in prison for two solid years. Talk about an opportunity to be bitter and angry and disappointed. Well, the story continues. And this time, Pharaoh has two very powerful, potent dreams. And Pharaoh, if you know the story, he dreams that there's uh, these seven, he sees these seven cows, they're they're fat cows by the, the river Nile, but then he sees these seven cows that are emaciated, they're sickly cows. Well, those seven cows eat the fat cows, but they don't change at all, they're still emaciated. So he's disturbed. He, does, he can't understand it. People can't explain the dream to him. He has another dream, and he sees seven stalks of grain. These are healthy stalks of grain, but then he sees seven very poor stalks of grain. And those poor stalks of grain eat up the healthy grain, but they, stay, they remain the same. So nobody can tell him what his dream means. So finally he says, isn't there anybody in my kingdom? And somebody, the cupbearer, all of a sudden he goes, oh, Yeah. There's a guy named Joseph. He's been in prison for two years. He can tell you exactly what's going on. And so he calls Joseph up. And immediately Joseph says, Yeah, God will tell you. You you heard the scripture this morning that was read to you. God will tell you exactly what's going on. And he said there's going to be seven years of, of great prosperity. But then there's going to be seven years of famine. And that's what, the, that's what the healthy cows represent, the, 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 the emaciated cows represent. Seven years that your kingdom is going to be in, in terrible, terrible condition. Now, immediately Joseph tells him what's going to happen. Immediately Joseph explains not only what the, the, the dreams mean, but go, Joseph goes on to tell him exactly what he needs to do. Now, we got to think about that for a moment. That's pretty courageous on Joseph's part. He's standing before the most powerful man in the world and he tells him exactly what he needs to do. The Jewish people call that chutzpah. Here he's telling a powerful man. he, He had been a man in prison and now he's telling the most powerful man in the world, this is exactly what you need to do. Well, he's got courage. He's got courage because his faith and trust is in God, despite the fact that life was miserable and terrible for him. He never lost his trust in God. He never lost his faith in God. In fact, take a look at the scripture with me for just a moment. Listen to what he does in verse 25. Take a look and, and take a pencil and underline this with me, if you would. Joseph responded both to Pharaoh's dreams and says they mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh. Look at that. Underline that. Go down to verse 28. This will happen just as I have described it, for God has revealed it to Pharaoh. Underline, underline that if you would. Take a look at verse 32. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events will, these events have been decreed by God. Underline that. And he will soon make them happen. How could he have so much courage? How could he have so much confidence in telling Pharaoh exactly not only what, has, what his dreams meant, but what's going to happen? His confidence was in God. You see, in the times of trial, God wants you and me to continue to have confidence in Him. Because what God wants you and me to think deeply about is the realization is that you and I are Josephs in our generation. I I shared a few weeks ago that um, there's this uh, interesting man by the name of uh, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn and uh, in his study of the scriptures and so forth, he is uh, he's prophesying. God seems to be use him, using him as a pro- prophetic person. And uh, in his studies of the word of God, he is, uh, in fact, he's, he's proclaiming and prophesying that in the very near future, there's going, going to be some calamity that will come upon the United States, but it also is going to come upon the world. Now, when we hear these things, I want to say right up front, we have to be very, very cautious about these things. And I am cautious about these things. Uh, He's talking about things that that could be very trying and troublesome for the entire world. But on the other hand, if we read the scriptures, when we read the Old Testament and the New Testament, particularly the New Testament, we see time and time again the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and John, they lived life as though Jesus were just about to return. Their expectation was that any moment... Jesus was going to return. And in fact, it influenced everything about what they did. It influenced their theology. It influenced their ministry. The expectation that at any moment... In fact, they had a phrase that they used in Greek, and the Greek word was maranatha. And maranatha is at the very end of the book of Revelation. And it simply means this, Lord, return soon. That was on their hearts. Their expectation, their desire was that at any moment, Jesus would come back. Well, we've got to think about that in our own lives. And think about maybe, what if there was something on the horizon? Would it make a difference in the way we live our lives? Would it make a difference in, in how we proclaim the gospel? Would it make a difference in how we relate to other people? Would we be concerned about them and what they may be going through? Would we more, be more bold about what we believe? You see, God is good, but not only is God good, God is God's work is good. And God loves this world. He's sovereign over this world. And someday he is going to come back. That is a promise that will come true. We don't know when. But God calls us to live in the light of that truth that at any moment he could return. And if he were to return, would he find us as being Josephs in our generation? Because here's the the encouragement in all of this. The third thing I want you to write down is not only is God good, and not only is God's work good, but God's outcome is great. God's outcome is always going to be great because he's God. Uh, As you write that down, I want to uh, read a passage in the uh, story of Joseph that you don't have on your outline. And I want you to see what unfolds next in the story. In verse 33, it says, Therefore, Pharaoh should, this is Joseph talking to Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good year that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Now listen to this. This is Pharaoh's response. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Can we find anyone else like this man so obviously, listen to this, filled with the Spirit of God. This is a man that doesn't know the true God, yet he recognizes the Spirit of God in Joseph. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Wow! Do you see what happened? Talk about a rebound. Okay? This guy, this Joseph guy, was in the pit. He stands before uh, Pharaoh in the palace. And now, I'm sorry, uh, Pharaoh is saying, now you're going to have all the power under me. So a man that's been suffering for two solid years is suddenly he's the most, the second most powerful man in the land in the world at that time. What a rebound! Now, do you believe God can do that in your life? Do you believe that no matter what you're going through, no matter how dark it feels to you, that the rut that you're in is really a mountaintop? That God in His grace and mercy can turn that around at a moment's notice? Do you believe in your heart that uh, God is good even when life isn't good? Do Do you believe in your heart that God is good all the time, His work is good, and that He can take whatever situation you're in and He can turn it around and He can make it something great? Can you imagine for just a moment that you're at the foot of the cross with Mary and John? And you're watching Jesus' life flow out of him. His precious blood being shed right before your eyes. Can you imagine what would have been going through their mind and through their hearts? All their hopes and dreams were pinned upon him. And now he's nailed to a cross. He's suffering and dying. That chaos is reigning in the land. How on earth could God be good in a situation like that? But you and I know the rest of the story. You and I know what the outcome is. You and I know that despite the fact that he's on a cross, that he's still good. And that through that cross, he's working good. And you and I know personally through faith in him that the outcome is really good. Is God good when life isn't? Listen to this. I want to give you another challenge this week. Take a look at the bottom of your paper there. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Another simple, short verse, but a powerful verse. It's a verse that you can use in your life. The time that you're thinking, is God good when life isn't? It says this, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can get through, we'll get through whatever it is that we're facing right now because Christ is in us. He's for us. He will see us through. Not only is He good, He's working in what we're doing and the outcome is going to be great. We can trust Him in everything. This past week I was having lunch with a with a good friend of mine, Dale Carlson. He was the, the director of the, of the uh, Root Cellar a few years ago. And uh, talk about a guy that could, that could be bitter about life. Uh, these past few years, his life has been, has been terrible. It's been, I just can't imagine what he's gone through. Uh, lost his job, lost his marriage. Uh, he, he's just gone through all kinds of terrible, terrible things. Yet he wanted to get together with me because he said, Don, we need to get together. We need to pray about how our churches can can reach out to the neighborhoods around and show the love of Christ. So his heart, his mind is, is, is constantly directed towards the goodness of God. Well, as we had lunch, he was uh, reminding me of a story that he told me years ago about uh, a young fellow at the root cellar by the name of Robert. Robert had a sister named Violet, and I forget his, uh, his brother's name. Robert was back in that time, was maybe 11 or 12 years old, a little kid. But he was a little kid that was completely and thoroughly out of control. His mother couldn't control him. Uh, she was constantly angry. She was fearful of him. Um, he he just he was constantly disruptive at the uh, root cellar and anything to do with the root cellar. He was constantly causing, not only causing problems, he was stirring up problems with with other children and so forth. Well, this one particular summer, uh, Dale sent him off to a summer camp up in Fort Kent, of all places. And uh, two or three days into summer camp. <laughs> Dale gets a call from the camp director, and he said, Dale, I'm really sorry, but you've got to come get this kid. I've had it, I've had it up to my, my ears with him. Come get him and take him out of here. So Dale has to drive from Portland, Maine, all the way up to Fort Kent to get this kid. Well, he arrives there. It's like a five- or six-hour drive. Some of you know how far away it is. And uh, he sits down with the camp director and with Robert. And after they met for a little while, the camp director suddenly says, you know what? Leave him here. I want to keep Robert for the rest of the week. So he did. He continued to be disruptive. continued to be a mess. He, he, uh, he comes back to Portland. And uh, not too long after that, maybe a few weeks, maybe a month or two, uh, suddenly Robert's mother shows up on Dale's doorstep, comes into his office, sits down across from him, and she says, I've had it. He's no longer my son. I'm kicking him out of, his, out of my house. 11 or 12 years old. I never want to see this kid again. And Dale said, what? And she said, yeah, I've had it. I never want to see this kid again. And Dale thought, oh my word, what am I going to do? I, I'm, I'm not a social worker. I don't know what to do with this kid. He's, he's, he's beyond my care, beyond my control. So Dale did the only thing that he knew that he could do, and that was to pray. And not only did he pray, he started calling up people that he knew would pray with him. And that's exactly what he did. He called up people and he said, this is what's happening Would you please pray for me? Would you please pray for Robert? I haven't got a clue of what to do. I need your help. Please pray. Well, one of the people that he called to pray was this camp director way up in Fort Kent. So he called him and he said, Would you pray for Robert? This is what's happening. And he said, Of course. My wife wife and I will be more than happy to pray for Robert. So he hung up the phone. Well, about three hours later, the phone rings again, and it's the camp director. And he says, Dale, my wife and I have been praying We believe God is telling us that we need to adopt Robert. And Dale said, what? And he said, yeah, we we believe with all our hearts that God is calling us. He's telling us that we need to adopt Robert. Well, they adopted Robert. And they started taking care of Robert. And they told Dale, this is kind of to be talking about in church, but politely, they said we even had to teach him how to go to the bathroom." That's how, much trouble, that's how much trouble was in this kid, his mind, and his heart. But they loved him. And not only did they care for him, he got through grade school, he got through middle school, he got through high school. And wouldn't you know it, Robert went off to college. And not only did he go off to college, he became a Christian. He came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And having come to know Christ as his Lord and Savior, he went to seminary. And right now, this morning, he's preaching in a church in Connecticut. Now listen, everybody involved in that story would have a hard time answering the question, is God good when life isn't? Who could put up with somebody like Robert? Who could care for somebody like Robert? Who would want to invest their life in somebody like Robert? Well, God did, because God's good. God did because God's work, his mission is always good. And when God's in anything, the outcome's going to be great. I don't know what you're going through or what you might go through. But there's going to be a point in time when you will ask the question Is God good when life isn't? Well, I think we can all answer with a lot of confidence and say, Oh, yeah, God is good even when life isn't. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are good. And not only are you good, Lord, you are working in this crazy world. That you, Lord God, are sovereign over this crazy world. And so many times when the trials and the difficulties of life seize us, they come upon us unexpectedly. They overwhelm us. They discourage us, disappoint us, depress us at times we are reminded that, that you are good, that you're there, Lord, that you're working in all of those things, even though we can't see it, even though we can't understand it. And we can trust you, Lord, that because of you, the outcome is going to be great. Lord, I pray for anybody this morning that is going through the challenges of life. I pray that you would speak into their hearts with the story of Joseph, that you would encourage them and bless them today. I pray for the moms today, Lord, because so many times they go through very discouraging times. They feel marginalized and forgotten. Encourage them today, Lord God. Bless them. And at the same time, Lord, we pray that you would be building us, strengthening us, blessing us, so that you, Lord God, can send us out into a world that's in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus. We pray for this and we thank you in his wonderful name. Amen. Amen.